When I grow up, I would like to be an actress, an artist, or an animator. I, when I grow up, I want to be a stunt double. I want to be a cleaning lady which, when I have my own business. Hey, Sean, what career did you dream of as a kid? Cartoonist, uh, writer, writer novelist, writer journalist, and just to generally know bon vivant. What about you? Uh, not as cool and um, exciting as yours, but a uh, bus driver and a professional golfer. Oh, that's cool. Thanks. Well, remember how straightforward and simple it was to figure out what you wanted to do when you grow up? Yeah, those were the days. Carving out a career path can be a challenge, but now I think it's coming more and more complex. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that today. Welcome to Work Shift. And I think we as humans are needing to learn how to interact with this new reality. Um, so I think that in here lies the opportunity where we need not to be scared of it. Uh, and we do need to all learn how to, how to, yeah, it sounds weird, collaborate with automation. Collaborating with automation. What do you think of that? Mm, not sure, but let's find out. Digital disruption. The gig economy. Artificial intelligence. Robots. There's a lot of talk about these things in the media and online, but what do they mean for you? I'm Sean McEwen. And I'm Ray Harapal. We're exploring the future of work and changes you can expect to see at your job. We'll tell you how this massive digital shift could change your career and what you can do to adapt, evolve, and thrive. In our first episode, we're going to look at the big picture with Dr. Rick Hybrex. We're going to explore new technologies and trends that are revolutionizing the way we work. Rick spent 12 years with the IT and networking giant Cisco, helping businesses evolve and transform with new technologies. He's passionate about city building, smart cities, real estate, and the world of tech. Now, he's Vice President, Strategy and Innovation at George Brown College. Rick earned a doctorate from the Harvard University Graduate School of Design, Ooh, a Master's of Science from Delft University, and he also studied construction management at Tilburg Polytechnics College in the Netherlands. Can you explain what the, the fourth industrial revolution is and what it means to everyday people in a wide range of industries? Sure. I'll uh, give that a try. Yeah. Um, because maybe. you're right. It's a lot talked about. It's often... Uh, I guess, labeled by the industrial sector and manufacturing, and they use Industry 4.0 or Fourth Industrial Revolution to indicate their transformation. But I do believe the implication um, is one that, that impacts all of us. Um, the change itself, though, is not new. We've gone through a first industrial revolution and electrification mm -hmm. and steam and then uh, right, factories. So we've seen transformation of industries and sectors and jobs, frankly, for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. 150 years ago, I believe in Ontario, something like 90% of employment was related to agriculture. Now, 150 years later, it's only 3 or 4%. doesn't mean that suddenly everyone was without a job. New uh, uh, markets and new industries and new opportunities came about and 
new jobs came because of a lot of this evolution and innovation that has taken place. But this evolution is happening much faster. It is happening faster. It may be more pronounced in a way. But um, even there, I'd say, if you look at a picture of New York City, 1900, New Year's night, there were only horse and buggies, no cars. You look only 12 or 13 years later, no more horses, all cars. Mm-hmm. That's quite disruptive uh, yeah. for a city and a city infrastructure and city building. And that was our grandparents, or for some maybe the grandparents of our grandparents' this time. So again, I think the change um, is not something we should fear. The speed may be daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the implications seem more profound but we're uh, maybe equally scared of it as we're already benefiting from it. I'm sure many of us take an Uber or do an Airbnb, uh, part of some sharing economy. We all have smart devices now that we rely on when we drive to work, for instance, if we think about Waze or Google Maps. and um, So it has given us as many conveniences and new experiences that we benefit from every day Um, that I think will also give us the opportunities to continue to evolve our expectations and and the jobs and the industries. So the fourth industrial revolution is kind of the coming together of kind of the uh, industrial, physical, mechanical world with the digital world, which is going to give us a kind of a new uh, dynamic almost of the environments in which we live, work, learn, and play that I think we as an educational institution and industries today have a great opportunity of shaping. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're right, it's scary on one hand because we don't know what the future looks like, but it's it's such an exciting opportunity that I think we're in the midst of and I, I think looked at to help formulate and shape and, and grow. Well, that uh, example you gave of the change, the disruption in a city from horse and buggy to automobiles is a great example. Um, some people, you know, I wonder too about, I think maybe some of the unease comes from people who may currently work in industries that are being disrupted, you know, cab drivers, um, jobs that are, factory jobs that are starting to be automated. Um, and some people may be wondering, um, is my job going to be automated, and how can I kind of get ahead of the curve um, before I'm made redundant or before uh, my job gets phased out? How do you think work will change, and uh, and even finding work will change in this new environment? Uh, yeah, that's a great question, and uh, maybe a million dollar question if yeah. we knew all that answer. Um, Again, I do believe uh, we've seen the movements before from factory workers in the old days to agriculture in the old days that have all transformed. The industries haven't necessarily disappeared. Mm-hmm. They, have, they look different and are transformed. Um, I think what we're going to see more and more is the need for us to work with automation and technology. I'm not really convinced that all our jobs are going to be taken over by artificial intelligence or some magic, uh, uh, you know, pixie dust uh, new <laughs> technology. But I think the reality is we're going to be more immersed in technical technological innovation that is going to augment the things that we do. And yes, sure, there are going to be jobs less in demand. Uh, I think in the Midwest, in the United States, the number one popular job is truck driver. Mm-hmm. And if we just look at autonomous vehicles and the evolution there, there is a 
I think, a potential uh, of a future where trucks do drive themselves and the truck driver as we have them today won't be there. Now, these new automated uh, autonomous trucks need to be built, need to be maintained, need to be programmed. Uh, infrastructure, the roads we have and the streetlights we have and the sensors in the roads need to be built and maintained. So I think with the arrival of this new innovation that may have a disruptive impact on jobs and technologies immediately opens up new industries, new need for technologies, new need for innovation and new need for jobs. And I, I believe, again, there's the role for an academic institution on what can we do to help transform or evolve or retrain um, people's uh, skill set. And I think the world of continuous learning or lifelong learning, uh, we're never done learning. We we'll mm -hmm. always want to evolve and, and grow with the opportunities in front of us. We're going to be more and more important in that ecosystem than we've maybe ever been before. Okay, so here's an interesting question because that makes me think. Okay, say you're you're in a job that say you're a truck driver right now, and uh, you foresee your job being phased out possibly in the future where you live, and you think, okay, I got, I've got to retrain. I, I want to get on stay on top of this. And the idea of going back to school, say you're in your early 50s, the idea of going back to school for a three-year diploma or a four-year degree um, seems a bit too much. What, what do you see? Do you see the future of education and helping people retrain, retrain become more of like a micro-credentialing uh, aspect to it? Yeah, I think, I, think, I think that it's right. I think the speed by which we will consume and need to consume curriculum and education is going to be similar to the speed by which we see industries evolve. So I don't believe all three-year and four-year credentials will go away. I think we're still going to see certain jobs and, and, and expertise needed that require that. But I do think it's going to be a broader mix of mm -hmm. alternative delivery, alternative consumption uh, in the, during the day, in the evening, uh, both mixed physical as well as digital. It becomes much more personalized yeah. so that I can learn at my speed in my way, which will be very different from a 40 or 50-year-old retiring truck driver to a 18-year-old high school student who is currently probably playing Fortnite and wants to think about how is technology going to change his or her experience in the classroom. And we as an educational institution, I think, will... Certainly over the next 10 years, as we think about our strategy and our future, be a, a supplier of, of a plethora of experiences and modes by which our future workforce can come and consume and can learn and can collaborate and can constantly prepare themselves for the new jobs of the future. Okay, that segues very well into my next question. So. Um, what are the, what is the skill set? What kind of things are you going to have to be able to put in your, your skill basket, per se? Because um, it sounds like maybe the, the days of the linear career path are over, which is maybe for some people might be daunting, but for other people might be very exciting. You can kind of have a whole bunch of cool skills and mush them together and make your own really cool, unique career path. Um, but it sounds like transferable skills will be really important. So what do you think? Like, you know, you've got the technical skills related to your specific industry of interest, but what are the other skills you see people really needing to succeed? 
Yeah, I think um, you're right. I think technical stills will remain. The way I learn them may be slightly different through simulation or different means of education. Um, I think, as we're already doing, work-integrated learning and being actually on the ground with employers, working on real projects is going to be, and already is, among the best, probably, learning experiences. But it is going to be uh, augmented or infused more than ever before with, call it the human skills or the, the soft skills, whatever term or label we give it. It's the ability to collaborate, to communicate, to be entrepreneurial, to be creative, to be innovative, to be agile in, uh, in doing work. Now, this is not for everybody. Some people want a job and, and, or need a job that you know, keeps them busy and they want to just have their work with their hands and, mm -hmm. and, and may not be public speakers or entrepreneurs. So mm -hmm. I think for us to figure out how to offer these experiences and these um, capabilities, augmenting, getting still the, the right hard skills is what will continue to differentiate us as an institution. But I think where we're going to see the need for our next generations of workforce um, uh, gravitate to. And um, w already we're seeing data come from organizations. Again, we may not like it, we may not agree, uh, we may not know because sometimes these predictions are 5, 10, 15 years out, but if we just look at the last 15 years and all the change we have witnessed, we can only assume that change will continue to, to happen. But we're seeing more and more people having precarious jobs, mm -hmm. change jobs. The idea of being in a career for 30 years with the same company is, is pretty much not there anymore. Uh, we're actually already seeing research showing that people have, um, even in, when they have permanent employment somewhere, but that they already have two to five different jobs. So mm. we're seeing, um, I think, more and more where people package and from menu almost create their life, grow their life, do employment yeah. um, and change it up as, as they go. And again, it's difficult and daunting for some, but it's an opportunity and a challenge for others. So we're not all going to have to learn how to code. Great question, because I think in the, if you asked me three years ago, I would have been of the like, oh yeah, we should teach everyone to code. And there's something to it uh, because you can. I guess because it's good to be not just a passive user yeah. of the online world. I think digital literacy is going to be key. Mm -hmm. I think no matter what job you are in, uh, if you're a nurse, a carpenter, or uh, a chef, uh, uh, being digitally literate, knowing how to take advantage of the digital world and participate in it, not one that's just digital, but also increasingly global. And, mm -hmm and fast pacing, I think that is going to be key. And you know, the work we do with, uh, for instance, the Tor Toronto Public Library, where we're part of the Digital Literacy Day to make Torontonians or expose Torontonians to digital capabilities, I think that's gonna be key to everybody. Yeah. For some that may include understanding coding, and I think there's a value to that. Um, I, I made my kids take robot class during lunch recess in school, so they hated me for it, for signing them up, but they loved every second of it. Mm -hmm. And they're not coders now, but I think they got their hands on something that they had no experience uh, in. And I don't think actually any of them may pursue that as a career, but I think it will help them better understand what's happening around us. And they won't be uh, intimidated or 
afraid even of that technology. Truth in is, the kids of my age already aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way they embrace and absorb new capabilities, it's, and I like to think I'm innovative and typically at the front end of it, but then look at them and then I realize how behind I am. I was told a week ago that me being on Twitter makes me old, and I thought <laughs> I'm hip on Twitter, but... So, you know, for every generation, all of us, it will be a different phase and a different stage. And, and again, we can see that as a scary obstacle, heels in the sand, or we can see that as an opportunity. Let's embrace it. Let's work together. Let's collaborate on how can we take advantage of mm-hmm. um, what is to come. Yeah. And, and when you were talking earlier about um, a, a whole host of new jobs that could be created with new technologies and emerging in different industries. Is that part of this, um, what's being called like human-machine relationships in the future, and how do those work? Yeah, I think um, you asked about what are the skills we need to have, and yes, soft skills, collaboration, all that stuff, but the skill to work with automation is going to be an important one. This is not either or. You have a robot or a human. This is humans working with technology in different ways. We're already seeing terms introduced like digital twins, where physical assets, and it could be a building, a city, a space, could be your car. You have digital twins where the digital and the physical world start to blend. Mm -hmm. And I think we as humans are needing to learn how to interact with this new reality. so I think that in here lies the opportunity where we need not to be scared of it. Uh, and we do need to all learn how to, how to yeah, it sounds weird, collaborate mm-hmm. with automation. And I think it's going to augment everything that we do. And not for the sake of technology, by the way. And I hope this conversation doesn't make it sound like, oh, I'm so keen on everything should be automated. This is about... Creating uh, new opportunities, which is going to enhance our quality of life, hopefully increase prosperity and opportunity for everyone. Uh, Some of it is because simply the world is moving and the train has left the station, so we better be on board. So we can debate that not all of what we see is beautiful and ideal. And we see the discussions around cybersecurity, Mm -hmm. safety, privacy, and those need to be had. And again, coming back to us as an education institution, I think we have a role to play to shape that dialogue. Um, But then between all that kind of fuzzy, kind of maybe doom, I think there's a lot of bright light here that is going to create new opportunities, new jobs um, that we need to help um, our employers as well as our future students prepare for. For example, in hospitality, we've 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 done some research about this fourth industrial revolution. Um, certain countries have an automated concierge, whereby you you step in and you ask a question, and it's got multiple languages from all over the world. Where are some opportunities where you feel like we can take digital and complement it with the people skills? Yeah, how much time do we have? In every division, for every program, for every job. If you are going to be a nurse, I think technology already is uh, augmenting what we do uh, through iPad or technology that allows us to see real-time information or diagnostics and respond to it much quicker, which I think then allows uh, people in the health sector to focus on what's important, and that is care and and, uh, being with patients. Uh, 
You talk about culinary arts or hospitality. Uh, I think the implication there from digital concierge to, frankly, robots that are going to be waiters, and we've seen that too, to much closer to home. I think the whole notion of uh, online ordering and Uber Eats, and I'm convinced, is kind of shaking up that sector already, right? The traditional... You have two options, eat at home or you go to a restaurant. There's no more. There is all this other business models that have popped up that are reimagining supply demand. Same with uh, construction. You look at digital design technologies like building information, 3D printing, 3D scanning. Again, I think still we're going to require people knowing how to use all those capabilities, but to provide more accurate, more or, or less um, of uh, doing construction and design projects with less problems. So the list goes on and on, and I think any job we prepare students for is going to be one that is going to be uh, infused with technology advancement um, and therefore working with and understanding how to work with uh, digital capabilities is going to eventually be key for all of us. Um, what is some advice that you have to folks that are scared of experiencing life through a phone or a tablet. Like, I'm sure in, in your work experience, you've, you've experienced this uh, resistance. Uh, it's a good question because now we get into the psyche of people. Change which, is scary. Which is important, though, right? It is important. Because it's, it's, a, it's a mind shift yeah. in, in how do we... In, slowly get people on board. This is about change management and seeing people that it's not all bad. And we try to do it in a world where we are inundated with negative messaging around Facebook and data security. and right. So those are realities that industries have to face with while we try to help our students and our employers to focus on the bright lights. Also, and the, tr the truth is, sad or not, uh, the, um, not embracing it or ignoring it is unfortunately not an option anymore. But we also don't have to be all in. We can, you know, get going. Try to download an app. Try something. Uh, it may be a small little improvement or an experience you have. And I'm sure everyone who downloaded Uber for the first time was like, oh, what is this all going to do? And we still hear bad messages, but... Millions and millions of people taking Uber, yes, that transforms an industry, hasn't quite completely eliminated taxi services. It actually has forced the taxi industry to reimagine their business model. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say try it. Um, I, I would say don't be scared, but that's obviously a silly answer if you... <laughs> the I, question, don't, I don't think don't so. Don't be scared. I don't think so. Um, and I think uh, this is through collaboration. I don't think anybody is going through this transformation alone. Learn from your peers. Learn from other industries, um, maybe even in other sectors. Have a dialogue. Learn from each other's mistakes. Um, but don't walk away from it. Try to embrace it. Um, and even if it's with baby steps, I think the next generation will come in and help us to accelerate that and embrace it in different ways. I don't think anybody has to worry about malevolent AI overlords. <laughs> Do they? Well, you know, I don't <laughs> think so, but okay. Elon Musk will say we may. <laughs> um, so... You know, It'll be I, fine. Yeah, I remember <laughs> watching TV when I lived in the U.S. and my wife, then not wife yet, but we saw a commercial from 
It's one of the carriers there where you could be on a beach and check your email while you're on the beach. And I remember saying, that's never going to happen. Why would you want to do Why that? Why would you want to do that, right? <laughs> uh, in 2007, I think, is when the first iPod came out. And now uh, tablets and smart devices are have well overtaken what we would know as PCs and, and laptops. So this is happening. And again, uh, it, it's, it's figuring out through, I guess, the soft skills uh, and and. Uh, enabling people to embrace it and learn from it and try to benefit from it. Uh, I think this can be good too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with everything, if there's people want to do bad with it, that may be possible. But I think, again, as an educational institution, our job is to show the good and try to figure out how we work with industries, with students, with the government, to turn this into um, something that's going to benefit us all more than I think we've seen anything before. Right on. It's time to take a look at the future want ads. We're going to ask our guests to give us an outline of a job that doesn't exist yet. According to the Institute for the Future, a nonprofit think tank based in Palo Alto, California, 85% of jobs that will exist in 2030 have not been invented yet. Okay, Rick Hybrax. What have you got for us? What job do you think will be in demand in the future? I think a real job will be um, a robot companion or a robot trainer. What will a robot trainer or robot companion do? These robots are going to need to be trained in hospitals. No, so I say this, I think, is a job of the future. I don't think it's going to take us long to see that some of this already happening in Japan mm-hmm. and in China because they're looking at, for instance, their aging population and just know that they don't have enough people to support the next generation uh, elderly with uh, personal care and that automation and robots are going to have to augment this. But they cannot be ugly machines that f- feel like they're just... Uh, manufactured a car, they have to not only look kind of human almost and friendly and warm, but they're going to have to behave as such. So I think one of the jobs uh, we're going to see and we may end up training our future students on is how to become actually trainer of automation. What skills do you need for this job? Uh, Patience, because I think a new robot is probably like a young child. (laughs) you know, I think a very healthy doses of the human skills itself. Like, how can you train a, a robot if you don't have the, the skills to, to teach? Mm-hmm. So empathy, creativity, uh, collaboration, entrepreneurship, uh, agility, flexibility, I think are going to be traits we would need in this uh, new hire that I can put in front of my my robots that go around the world and hopefully do good and bring a human touch uh, to the equation. That's a wrap on our first episode of WorkShift. What did you think? Want to share your thoughts on automation and digitization? Have new technologies changed your career? In fact, are you thinking of making a WorkShift? We want to hear from you. Send us an email to WorkShift at georgebrown.ca. And be sure to download episode two, 
when we talk about new opportunities robots and big data could create in the healthcare field of the future. This podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at George Brown College. We want to thank Rick Hybrex for sharing his vision with us today. It's the end of your work shift. See you next time. Thank you.